0: If you have a Bible, open it up to John's gospel. We've been sharing a message called A New Way for a New Day. And so God dealt with me several weeks back now to start sharing from these scriptures in John 13 you know, the 13th chapter, 14, 15, and 16th chapter, because when Jesus was getting ready to leave, right before he left, it said he knew he was leaving. He knew he was departing, and he was not going to be here, and they were going to function in a different way after he left than they had been functioning before that time. And so for these four chapters, he basically tells us how to live today. You with me? And so we've been going over these different things and he was warning them about a new day that was fast approaching and uh, he's warning us too. Now we won't change these type of things that are, you know, he's teaching here, but it can change how we do things in church. You know, in other words, Don't things change like, say, in one of the states where they have a lot of agriculture and they've been planting and planting and planting and all of a sudden it comes to harvest time, things totally change. People who didn't work had to work. In other words, it's almost like a rite of passage and it's a way of getting your car when you're a teenager in some of those places. I've met people that live in areas where Corn is the king, and when it's time to harvest, and you're a teenager, that's your summer job. You work morning till night, morning till night. You make a bunch of money, you buy your first car. You with me? Some of you may know people like that. Well, you could say a new day came on them when the harvest came. And so they had to change what they did. In other words, they might have come home from school, Hung out with their friends, but when it became harvest time, they hung out with their friends doing work. Nobody likes that. Hung out with their friends doing work that paid off and brought them something in life, but helped the whole of the community, the family, everything. You know, because when a harvest time comes, it's not just the people who work in the field that are benefited. You know, it brings income to a city, And then that money is spread through the city to the car dealerships, to the stores that sell clothes. And so there's just a ripple effect. And so it is with the kingdom of God. And so sometimes people, I should say many times, people get caught up with wanting to know God's plan for their life. And they think it's super mystical, you know, or it's something hard to know because it's often said, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan for your life. Well, then my question is, what is it? Nobody's ever thought that. Well, what is it then? And in all reality, the basis for all of God's plan and plans are in these verses right here that we've been reading from the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th. His plan, how to function, how to operate in the earth until he returns. And he gives priorities. Don't try to lift yourself up and get into a position. First thing he said is, serve one another, right? Then the next thing he said after that is, you have to submit to me if you want to be clean. In other words, we know he even reemphasized that a chapter later and said, I'm the only way that you get to heaven. The very next thing he said, love one another, If you do this, people will know you belong to me. That I'm the one who's made this change in your life, that's working in your life, and that you are submitted to me. And so we went through different verses, and those are things when you're wanting to know God's plan, he wants you to serve. Serve one another, serve in the church. That's the first thing he said. Don't try to promote yourself, just start serving you can see that the world has a void from God. This stuff is the only stuff that will fill the void. You can try to fill it with different things, but you can tell because you can tell the voids fit within this scriptural basis here. Meaning this, how many in this young generation that have been taught no for God want to serve and help and do something for the world? How many startup companies are based on that? Hey, we want to do this, and we want to give back, and we want to give. How many people are driven by a sense of selfish love? In other words, it becomes good to pay for the guy's coffee behind you, Starbucks, unless you look in the mirror and go, that's a car full. And then you thank the person in front of you. But there's that element of wanting to give, but it's really not God love. It's not, you know, there's something there they're trying to fill. And then they want to serve and they want to help and they want to do stuff. And they want to give. People want to give. You know, there's people who want to give in the offering, but they're probably sometimes more like the other disciples that didn't step out of the boat. Because we see it. How many times when a... Problem happens, they just put something up and they make all kinds of pulls for money and people, I want to do that. How many of you know if you pay bills today, it amazes me in the last five or ten years how many people from the electric company to cities have a little contribution thing in there? Anybody ever notice that? Sometimes they put the higher amount and you look like, oh, I'm supposed to pay that. Nobody's ever noticed that before? I have. I'm like, always look for the smaller number on the bill because people deep down want to give deep down. People want to serve. And Jesus said, listen, here it is. Here's how you do it. And these things are pure with God. And the world tries to fill them. And people think, oh, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And they're really missing the mark. And then they say, yeah, there is a God so you can go any way. But Jesus said, no, the only way you're going to get really connected and really fulfilled is when you reach people and know I'm the only way. So you'll see in the world counterfeits to these things. That's a reason why people want spiritual stuff. That's why all world religions are out there. But Jesus gave the only things that would fulfill and satisfy a man. People want miracles. Jesus gave the method for miracles and the way. You with me? People want God to do something in their life. There would be a lot more people open to God if they recognize he wants to do stuff and he will do stuff in your life. But the world has been fed a counterfeit. And so if you're wanting to know God's will and God's way for doing stuff, these chapters right here share it. You with me? Did I lose anybody right there? But it's true. There's a counterfeit that's empty, and it'll make you do the treadmill thing, you know, run but not get ahead. You know, the old hamster thing. I wonder if those hamsters really feel like they've done something at the end of the day. They just run and don't go anywhere, and they don't ask themselves, I ran, but where did I go? Let's go do it again tomorrow. But the only way to get somewhere is to do it God's way. And so... We've been talking about this. And if you'll turn to John 14, uh, I thought we would get to the 15th chapter this week. But in praying, it seemed like I needed to touch on these scriptures here in John 14. Then we'll move forward, I believe, next week. But we need to remember these scriptures are huge because Jesus said, I'm going to the Father. Or he made statements like, I'm leaving Or he knew his time was at hand to go. Or he knew he was going to depart. All these things that denoted, he even used the word, and in that day, in other words, after I leave, here's how you're going to function. And so we need to know this. One, because here's an interesting thought. If Jesus warned them of a new day and a new way to do things, you think he'd warn us of a new day? A new day. Something new is happening here or working, and you'll see it. You with me? And so if he does that, he was preparing them. And we've said this, these chapters, though there's only, you know, not a ton of chapters in John 20-something, but he gives four, four four-and-a-half chapters to this thought right here. And so, and, and he didn't give six months worth of teaching this. He did in a couple of days. He laid this stuff out, and then he was taken captive in John 17. And so he knew his time was over. And I mean, he just shared, 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 and said, this is close. This is how it's going to happen. Here we go. And he teaches, and they come and grab him. And he left this. Do you think that he might warn us before something happens? I know he does. How many people have known things just you had a knowing before it happened? Because you're saved, God will do that. But we're going to read these verses here in John 14, 25 and 26. It says, These things... John 14, 25, and 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. So there's one of those phrases again. He's with them, but he's not going to be with them shortly. He said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name or on my behalf, he will teach you all things And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Here's an interesting thought, and we'll talk about this later. Here he said he would remind us things that he's already told us. When we get into the future chapters talking about the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to show you stuff to come. And what's so interesting, he's kind of telling us as a church right now of things he's told us, right? I've been dealing with you, something's happening right now. That's something he's taught us and he's reminding us. And it's about something to come, but not in the long distance future. How many people know the millennium is going to come? Jesus is going to come back to the earth and rule and reign for a thousand years. And we're going to rule and reign with him during that time. That's coming. That's not on my immediate radar. You know what I mean by that? You ever watched any war movies or whatever? Now I'm not trying to say I know anything about submarines and ships, you know, in great detail, but then they always had that thing that spun around like, you know, would be spinning the radar system, and then whenever they were coming, something was getting near, it'd start beeping on the screen and they knew. Hey, that thing's you know, 100 miles away, and it would spin around, and when that thing arm would come around, it would hit it and beep again. And they'd say, oh, it's 110 miles. And it would spin around there, it's 100 miles. And it would beep, and they would recognize this thing's getting closer. There are things that are way out ahead. You with me? But there are things that are real close too. And those things are important to God to make sure we get it so that we don't get a torpedo in the side and go, hey, we're sinking, what's going on here? Or, you know, something big comes on us and we're not ready. What if the disciples had not been warned, trained, taught, and told again and again, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, this is about to happen, this is about to happen, and here's how you're going to do it. What if they had not been taught like that, and all of a sudden, Jesus disappears, you know, in the sense he gets killed. They'd be going, oh, my. And what are we going to do? We were not expecting this. As a matter of fact, some of the things later on, he said, I said this so when it happens, you wouldn't be troubled. You could say it like this. Some of the things he's telling us is so that we're not caught off guard when it happens. How many of you know? That a great rain is coming in the state. Tomorrow, we're supposed to get several inches. And then Tuesday, and some cities are handing out uh, sand or sandbags for flash flooding. If you happen to be in the area, there's different ones you watch on the news. Well, they pick that up on their radar. You with me? And they have laws that we have set forth so when such things happen, you don't drive through flood areas. Right? They're called idiot laws. (laughs) You with me? And the Lord's trying to warn us about the day we live in so we know His will, how to function, know that the lost is important to Him, and the church is important to Him, and all these different things and how you know God and function, And if the government, the local government, tries to warn us of certain things, how much more God? You know, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. How many people have maybe heard a new day's coming on us, and to them it's like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, that happened with Noah too. Yeah, I bet that's happening. If there were people there because they were invited on the boat... Because he preached for 120 years while he was building, and the only people he could persuade was his family. But you know what? All of them experienced it, but somewhere outside, somewhere inside. And God warns us, and we should never take his warnings lightly and think, well, I got plenty of time, I got plenty of time, I got plenty of time. People should have realized. 120 years pass, and then all of a sudden, seven days before, animals start showing up. Oh, this is interesting. He's building an ark, and he said it's going to rain. Well, we got plenty of time. It was 120 years before, 120 years shy of a week. So we got time to make some adjustments, we got time to do stuff. We'll just finish up the party. And we'll go do our thing. And then all of a sudden, here come the animals. And he loads them in the boat for that week, closes the door, and that's the end. And the rain came. Just like he kept warning. He kept warning. Kept warning. You know. And it's not a matter of just bringing a poncho to the party. You know what I mean? Oh, if I just get a poncho, i will be fine. I'll be good when it's raining and start pouring. No, it's a matter of getting on the boat. You with me? Not just carrying a poncho. I can handle it this way. I can do it this way. And therefore, I'm just bringing a poncho to the party. No, you got to get on the boat. Or you got to learn how to dog paddle for 40 days and 40 nights. And you might be good, but I don't know if you're that good. You with me? God wants everybody on. Noah was an ark builder. That's what we know about him. But you know, the Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. He was building and proclaiming, guys, it's coming, get on board. Obviously, you might say, well, he wasn't that good of a preacher, Because nobody got on board but his family. I don't think he was a bad preacher. I just think people were so consumed with the world. The Bible said they were continually, their minds were given over to partying and eating and drinking, and just they were, that's all they were consumed with. Their minds had gotten so full of the wrong thing, that's what was then driving them. God didn't want that to happen. You with me? But they wouldn't get on board. Then it started raining. It had never rained before. What we are going to see, you will not seen before. What they saw, they did not see before. And I'll tell you what, when they first got the first sprinkle on them, they probably thought, what's this? And then it hit so hard and so fast, said the earth gave up the water and just came out of the earth. And we know that underneath the plates in the earth, there's just loads of water down there. It just came rushing up and came rushing down, and they were in for a boat ride, and the others missed it. Because they did not heed the Spirit's cry. You know, he preached right up till the end. And they closed the door, and it started pouring. You with me? Notice this. God's warning us about a day coming on us. It's not going to kill you day like that, but it's a day where he's going to do a mighty work, and he's already working, but it's going to change. You with me? And so he's trying to get people to obey the call now just like he was doing here training these guys and here he says in verse 26 but the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance that i said to you hey god will not only bring these things to our remembrance concerning the dealings with the new day that just keep coming up for the last couple of months or few months. He will deal with us about other things in our life and bring things to our remembrance. But remember, this was not available to the disciples till Jesus died and rose again. This is something that they didn't have right at this time. It was after Jesus died that he sent the Holy Spirit. And what I find interesting about these verses is this phrase. You there with me in John 14, 26? He said he was present with them, but he was leaving. And it says, but the helper... Notice what he says first. The helper... Notice he said, the helper... You know, you could read past that and not think much of that. Notice the first thing isn't, he didn't say, he's the Holy Spirit... He's going to help you. He said, the helper. The helper. The first thing he says is he's a descriptive word. He uses a descriptive term. And he said, the Holy Spirit. He said, the helper. Well, I don't know why. You know what this is about the Holy Spirit. You got to remember this. Before Jesus left... What did Jesus do with the disciples and the people that were here on the earth? He helped them. Constantly helping them. If they wanted to know something, they asked. Whatever it was, he helped them to know God. He was constantly helping. Constantly. Peter began to sink in the water and he said, Lord, help me. And he helped. And so the first thing he says is, But the helper, he didn't say the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. He said the helper. It's a descriptive word. Why? Because he wanted you to know the one that was coming was going to be active. He was going to be uh, absent, Jesus. And now he had been active and present. Now he's going to be absent but he's going to be active in our lives by the Holy Spirit. And so we need to know that the first introduction, really, of the Holy Spirit, the first thing he said is, he's active. And How is he active? He will help you. He'll help. I want to read this in the Amplified Bible. John 14, 25 and 26. It says, I've told you these things while I'm still with you, but the helper. And what's interesting about the Amplified Bible, it does that. It amplifies. I mean, it doesn't make it louder. makes it bigger. So if you read the Amplified Bible, it'll put parentheses next to a word and then give you a bunch of words or whatever. And really what it is, it's a definition to bring clarity. So the very first thing here he said... But the helper, parentheses, in other words, he's about to give you a description of the word or break down the word helper. says comforter. How is he going to help you? He's going to comfort. Advocate. That's a lawyer. Intercessor. One that will help you plead your case. Counselor. You need counsel. I don't know what to do. He's a counselor. But remember, he'll help you. He's an active counselor. He's a strengthener. He's a standby. In other words, he's just there to help in anything you need. Whatever area, he's there to help. And it says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Then it says, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. Now, we're not going to talk much about this today because we'll pick this up later on. But when Jesus says more about the Holy Spirit, he said he doesn't ever do anything of his own accord. He doesn't act independent. In other words, he only does what he hears the Lord say. So when we pray, we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. But he communicates to us inwardly the things of God. Because he doesn't speak or do of his own accord, but whatever he hears, whatever he sees or knows from the Father, that he does. So, so many people say, well, man, if I was here when Jesus was here, I I would have done this, I would have got this, it would have been so different. No, he said later on, it's to your advantage I leave, because then the Holy Spirit will come, be in you and live in you, and he'll do in my absence what I did when I was present. And so when he said, in my place, to represent me and to act on my behalf. Wow. He's going to act on the behalf of the Lord for you. So he's going to help you on behalf of the Lord. The third person of the Godhead will help you. He'll act on his behalf. It said, he will teach you all things And he will help you remember everything that I have told you. I'll tell you what. We need reminders at times. Why? Because you may have heard something from the Lord. Like, yeah, these things are happening. I've got this. This is going to happen. Or you just get tempted and you get short-sighted. And he reminds you there's a heaven. There is a Lord out there. There is an eternity. There is something beyond this life, and it's not just your present problem you're facing today and not the present temptation you're facing. He will be your helper, but it said he'll teach. You might want to say it like this or think like this. He'll make things real to you that are spiritual. I can't make them real to you. But he helps me, so he makes things real to us. And so his business as a helper is to help us realize the realities of the things the Lord is saying, the things the Lord is doing, the things that are coming, the things that are now. I mean, on and on. And so you think about it, he helps us to realize spiritual things. The Bible said the carnal mind doesn't know or the natural mind doesn't comprehend in Corinthians, but it said the spirit will help you to comprehend. In other words, you get a realization. Have you ever read a scripture or been over a scripture and you read it once, you read it twice, you maybe read it 50 times, I don't know, and then you read over it and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa you see that? No, serious, look everybody's like yeah that's great and you're like no what's happening is the holy spirit is teaching you you are realizing something beyond your natural mind you're not you didn't just figure it out in your head something in you went off and you went oh my look at that and everybody else like yeah that's great Nobody's ever been here like that. The only way you're going to help the others is the Holy Spirit's going to help you to get it to them. Right? And so when he convicts the world of sin, he all of a sudden convicts them of their need of a Savior. Think of it. That's something you can't do, but if you tell somebody, bring somebody, then he'll help. Because that's part of his business is to help them to realize Their state and the answer. You with me? Isn't it interesting? He will teach, he will act on my behalf. These things are huge because he basically said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Later on, we'll see a verse that will tell you it says, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you helpless. I will come to you by the person of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of God representing us now. Now, the Holy Spirit took his place here on the earth. So we have. And we should expect that, hey, if I'm going to invite somebody, if I'm going to talk to somebody, if I'm going to do this like he told me to, I should expect that the helper will help me. And not maybe give me the best words to speak. My words might be shaky. My words may not be the best words. But those aren't the best things. The best thing is the Lord takes those words and makes the reality come to that person. You ever witness to somebody and you start sharing with them about the Lord and all of a sudden you sense God moving on, and you think, whoa, look at me. Woo-hoo, that ain't you. And then those people are like, whoa. And you're like, whoa. And don't be fooled. That's not you, that's the helper. The one who's active for the Lord. He's the one who makes the reality come to people. We don't want them to know the reality when they die because it comes to all. You with me? We don't want that. We want them to know the reality now. So guess what? First thing he says is he's going to help. He's going to teach. He's going to work with you. He's going to be a helper. Notice it doesn't say he's not going to be a hinderer. God's not about hindering you. If God deals with you, don't do something, he's trying to help you, not hinder you. If God deals with you to do something, he's not trying to hinder you, he's trying to help you. God is never ruining anybody's fun. You ever gone down the road, you knew you shouldn't travel in the Lord, and you just overrode that, and then you started being miserable? You could see by that, oh, I should have listened. He was trying to help me. You with me? But thank God it doesn't matter how long we travel down the road, we can follow Him. You with me? So we're to walk with the Lord. One of the great things about walking with the Lord is recognizing this aspect of the church, the Christian life, that this Holy Spirit has an active role with and in every believer. I remember when I was in California, I lived across the street from a Buddhist temple. And so they actually bought a home. Then they had a big piece of property. And so there was another home, and they were pretty good-sized homes. They turned one into like a little temple. The monks lived in one, and then the other one was like their little church thing, I guess. I don't know, their temple where people would come. And so what happened was they tore the thing down, then they built a bigger building, and so the monks never said anything. They just wore like these like orange, I don't want to call them sheets, but they were like a, I don't know, like a uniform or something that they wear, whatever. So I'd wave to them. After a while, they'd, hello, you know, wave. So I talked to them one day, and I'd ask them questions. Because they'd leave the door open, so I went and walked in. Not of their house, the temple thing. And they had all these statues and everything. And I remember I went in there, and, and so they said, well, we're getting ready to do this thing, because they were telling me. And they said, this is the time, you know, where we have great peace. I was in there, and I was, like, totally disgusted. Way deep down inside, I was like, there's no peace here. And they are basically, we don't know how to get peace, but we're working to have peace. I'm like thinking, we've got the one who is peace. We should expect the Holy Spirit to bring reality. I mean, they're going and not having reality. There is no presence of God in there. We worship God. You sense God do something. We hear his word. He begins to teach us from the inside. And reality comes. The world needs this, and God said, I'm going to give you the helper so you can do and know and be helped in life. Let's look at two verses, and we'll close. First Corinthians, the third chapter, First Corinthians 3, the ministry has begun of mankind in the earth. These letters are written to churches they're carrying out this stuff that we're reading about, loving. Remember the Corinthians, they kind of got messed up doctrinally and their activities and how they were doing stuff. One of the great cures that was given was what Jesus taught in the 13th chapter about walking in love, not living a selfish life. And so here in 1 Corinthians 3, he tells how we're to do ministry. And he explains how he did ministry and how you're really supposed to do life. Notice this 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. It says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. Literally means co-workers. Remember, he's a helper. We work, and he works. He works with us. He works, and Paul's saying right here, God works with me to build stuff in your life, to plant stuff in your life. You with me? The only time we're going to get stuff built into people who don't know the Lord is today, now, before the Lord's return. And the only time we're going to grow people is right now while we're on the earth. And so he said, listen, I work together and we'll work together with you. We should expect when we bring people that this is not about how good pastor can preach a message, how good they can teach in the children's church, How good the music team sounds this morning. I'm expecting all of them to be good. You with me? But at the same time, we should be expecting the Holy Spirit, God, to work on our behalf. In other words, not just get a good message but have the Holy Spirit unveil something to us that becomes reality. Notice this in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. So he's basically saying, listen, the helper, God's Spirit, is working with me. We should depend and believe in the Holy Spirit's work in us as believers. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 says, We then, as workers together with him... Notice it didn't say we work for God. Notice it didn't say he works only for us, but we work together with him. With him also, and we plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Notice those interesting words. When we plead, we're pleading with him. In other words, you hear my words, but God deals with your heart. You know, the Lord will do the same thing with you in reaching people and serving in children's church or different areas of ministry in the church. It may be your words when you're greeting, but we should expect the Holy Spirit to work with us. If you witness, if you teach your kids at night and you read them Bible verses and you pray with them, you should expect I'm going to plead with them and explain to them. But at the same time, I'm believing that the helper who took Jesus' place is going to help too. Why? We want people and God wants people to have reality. And the real reality is there's a heaven, there's a hell. And God wants heaven's will done on earth because that's what he said. Pray, your will be done on earth. Is the destruction, the misery, the deception, the lies that are occurring in the earth God's will? No. No. But notice he works through us to bring correction until he comes. And to bring his order until he comes. Guess what? He said, when you give your life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit will immediately come in you. Now, you can be filled with the Spirit, but he'll start working through you. You with me? In other words, even when you pray, he'll help you to pray. Even when you praise, he'll connect with you. He'll plead through you. Isn't it the coolest thing to witness to somebody and notice he's pleading through you? You say, what do you mean? You start talking about the Lord, and you notice the Lord's helping you. And you're like, whoa, I don't know what this is. He's pleading through you. Everybody should enjoy that in their life. And I've said this, and I'm going to say it in closing. God makes things pleasurable that he wants you to do. So he tells us, reach the lost. That's where his heart is. But then when you witness, he'll make it pleasurable to you. It'll affect you. You'll go, whoa, that was cool. And you're like, yeah, I do care about them, but wait just a minute here. Something happened to me. He's working in me. And he makes it pleasurable, his will. I'll tell you what, serving together with him in children's. It can be pleasurable. Greeting, ushering, singing. It can all be pleasurable when we do it the right way with his help, because he's the helper.